Hey, this is Mike Boddington. You're listening to the Core Life Training. What is it? Core Life Training Podcast. Of course it is. With Jeff Olson. What's up, my friends? This is Jeff with Core Life Training Podcast, and welcome to episode number two. And in this episode, what we have is a question from my best friend, Lenny. And Lenny wants to know, what is up with Lot and his two freaky daughters from Genesis chapter 19? Uh, it's totally a crazy story, and it's a great question, so I'm going to take a crack at answering that one. And this week's metal moment is coming to you from Holy Grove, one of my favorite bands out of Portland right now. I'm going to give you a chance to check these guys out here in just a bit. And this episode's drink of choice is Hop Venom from Boneyard Beer, a great double IPA that you should all check out. And I also want to remind you that you can be part of making this podcast rule just by giving us your questions about the Bible. So if you have any questions about the Bible that you want me to answer on this podcast, drop them on our Facebook page. Or you can email them to me at jeff at corelifetraining.org. That is jeff at corelifetraining.org. All right, let's get started. So once you grab a Bible, grab a notebook, and grab your drink of choice, and let's get down to business. All right, a question comes out of Genesis chapter 19, verses 30 to 38. So if you have a Bible, you can turn there. And as you're getting there, I want to give you a little bit of background on this guy, Lot. So Lot comes out of Ur of the Chaldeans with Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. He's not supposed to, but that's not Lot's fault. The Lord told Abraham to leave his family and to go to a new land. And Abraham decided to basically bring half his family uh, along with him. So I don't, I don't blame Lot for coming along. That was Abraham's problem. In Genesis 13, uh, Abraham and Lot both get so rich and they have so many flocks and stuff like that that they can't all live in the same land together. And so Abraham and Lot decide to separate and, and Abraham gives Lot the choice of the land that he wants. And naturally Lot chooses the good land, which I mean, who can blame him? Like who's going to choose the crappy land? So Lot chooses the good land, uh, but ultimately he goes and settles in the city of Sodom. And the text says in Genesis chapter 13, verse 13, that the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners to the Lord very. So that's a literal translation, sinners to the Lord. Very Like these guys are bad dudes, right? Uh, so not a good choice on Lot's part. Ultimately, he gets kidnapped by a foreign king and Abraham has to rally up his troops and uh, go rescue Lot in Genesis chapter 14. Uh, he's kind of a minor figure at this point, basically just sort of a nuisance. And ultimately, we don't see him again until Genesis 19. But in Genesis 19, things are definitely going to get hairy. Yeah, definitely things are going to get hairy. So at the beginning of Genesis chapter 19, Lot invites two angels to stay at his house, uh, ostensibly to protect them from the dangers of nightlife in the city of Sodom. Uh, unfortunately, the nightlife of the city of Sodom comes to Lot's house. So the men of Sodom come and ultimately demand to like have sex with the angels who are visiting. And uh, Lot, being the brilliant man that he is, offers instead his two virgin daughters uh, so that the men could do to them what is good in your eyes. That's what the text says. And we know from like the book of Judges that anytime men are doing what's good in their own eyes, it's usually what's wicked in the eyes of the Lord. Uh, so this is one of those times in the Bible where you just want to punch one of the characters in the neck. You know, they're doing something so stupid. Offering up your two virgin daughters to a group of men like this kind of ranks up there with, I don't know, like Judas betraying the Lord or something like that. Uh, John Calvin says that uh, Lot should have endured a thousand deaths instead of offering up his girls. And uh, I, I agree. I'd say maybe a thousand and one, something like that. 
But the men don't want Lot's daughters, and they threaten to do worse to Lot than they were going to do to the angels. And I'm not exactly sure like what worse means, but I'm not interested in finding out. Uh, the angels rescue Lot by blinding the men of Sodom, and they pull Lot back inside the house. Uh, the angels warn Lot that uh, the Lord is going to destroy the city of Sodom for its evil. And Lot kind of hangs out and waits around, and he hesitates, and ultimately the angels literally have to drag him out by the hand. And so they save Lot from the destruction of the city of Sodom. And this is an answer to Abraham's prayer from Genesis chapter 18, verse 23. So there's some background on Lot before we head into our passage, chapter 19, verses 30 to 38. At the beginning, Lot was kind of a nuisance, a minor character. Now in Genesis chapter 19, we find out that he's also a total idiot and things are going to get crazier and freakier as we go along. So now we're going to hit our passage, Genesis 19, verses 30 to 38. And what I'm going to do is just kind of read the text and make some comments along the way as we go. Okay, so verse 30, Lot went up from Zoar and stayed in the mountains, and his two daughters were with him, for he was afraid to stay in Zoar, and he stayed in a cave, he and his two daughters. So Lot's living in a cave because he's afraid to live in Zoar. I would be afraid to live in Zoar too, like God was going to destroy Zoar with Sodom. That's from Genesis 19, verse 30, uh, 21. It was a wicked city, just like Sodom. And you got to imagine that Zoar is next on the Lord's list. So uh, he may have wanted to go there originally. Eventually he realizes the Lord might be about to change his mind. Uh, so he bails out of there and heads to the mountains. Verse 31, then the firstborn said to the younger, now it's going to get weird now. Firstborn says to the younger, our father's old and there's not a man in the land to come into us after the, the manner of the earth. In other words, they were engaged before and now they're worried that they're not going to find a husband uh, to carry on the family line, right? So that's what they're worried about at this point. So here's their solution to the problem. Verse 32, come let us make our father drink wine and let us lie with him that we might preserve our family through our father. Right, So they're worried about preserving the family line, and their solution is, let's sleep with dad to make that happen. Now, I just, I just stop right here, and I go, listen, there's probably a few other options to, to solve this problem. Like, number one, you were just in Zoar, and there were dudes in Zoar. So how about, here's an option. Number one, why don't you take a walk and see if you can find a town somewhere else with some eligible guys, right? Like, there's one option. Uh, option number two go on a, like a long journey to a distant relative, I don't know, like Abram, and find a husband there. Uh, Abraham did this for Isaac in Genesis chapter 24. So uh, it's like not like there's no guys anywhere. You may just have to put on some sneakers and go for a run to find them, okay? Uh, number three, how about ask dad for some advice? Look, I know that when we're younger, we all think our parents are idiots and all like that, but when your best solution is let's sleep with dad, it's probably time to ask dad for a little bit of advice. A fourth option, how about you pray and ask the Lord to provide a husband for you? Uh, number five, just don't. How about just, how about just don't? Like go husbandless, it, that won't kill you. And number six, let's just go for it, sweetie. Let's get with our dad and let's make this happen. And the girls choose option number six. Let's just go for it. Verse 33, so they made their father drink wine that night. And the firstborn went in and lay down with her father. And he didn't know when she lay down or when she arose. Now, this strikes us as a, a big problem just from the ooh, yuck factor. But biblically, this is a big problem because back in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, uh, the Lord brought Adam and Eve together. And the author of Genesis says, uh, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and cling to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Like, that's the relationship. Man, his wife, then one flesh. 
Uh, Genesis 2 does not say a man will leave his father and mother and stay with his daughters in a cave and hook up with the both of them. Okay, that's not in scripture. So not only is it the gross factor here, uh, biblically, this is a big, big no-no. So they made their father drink wine that night and they made him drink wine like Lot ends up hammered with like an emphasis on murd, right? So he's pounded and the firstborn went in and lay down with her father. And that's a nice way of saying she slept with her father, which is a nice way of saying she had sex with her father. And he didn't know when she lay down or when she arose. Now, this is where the main question comes from, from my friend Lenny. How could it possibly be that Lot didn't know? And it's a good question, right? Like you got to be pretty hammered to have no idea what's going on. But but Lot's walking a fine, fine line here. You know what I'm saying? So he's so hammered that he has no idea who just came in the room, that he had sex, and that that person then left the room. But somehow he's still able to like function in all that. That is a super fine line. And how could it possibly be that he didn't know? It's a great question, and we're going to come back to answer that here in just a second. But let's keep going in the in the passage. Verse 34, on the following day, the firstborn said to the younger, Behold, I lay last night with my father. Let's make him drink wine tonight also. And then you go in and you lie with him that we may preserve our family through our father. So this is going to go down twice, right? So it happens one time and you'd think on, I don't know, the second night by about the fourth cup of wine, Lot might be thinking to himself, hold on a second here. Like we might have just went through something like this last night, but somehow they pull this off again. And verse 35 says they made their father drink wine that night also. And the younger arose and lay with him. And he didn't know when she lay down or when she arose. Again, so Lot walks this super fine line of being so pounded that he doesn't know what's going on and yet still able to pull this whole thing off with his daughters. And in verse 36, then both the girls are pregnant by their father. So how could it be that Lot didn't know what was going on? That was the main question. Okay, crazy story. But the main question is, how is it possible that Lot didn't know? And here's the answer. The author doesn't say how it's possible that Lot didn't know. He just says Lot didn't know. Now, you can buy that or not buy that, and commentators will guess at how it's possible. So some commentators say uh, Lot is walking this super fine line. So here's what Kyle and Dalich in their commentary on Genesis chapter 19, they say, what these words mean is that in Lot's intoxicated state, though not entirely unconscious, Yet he lay with his daughters without clearly knowing what he was doing. And you can see just in the language that they're using, they're trying to walk this fine line as well. Super hammered, doesn't know, but somehow is able to make it happen. Okay, Uh, John Calvin, one of my heroes, he takes a guess at it and says, it's not that he was so hammered that he didn't know. It's that the Lord actually made him ignorant of what was going on. Right Now, I I don't buy that at all. Uh, he's a hero, but I don't, I don't buy that version of it. Most importantly, the author is not interested at all in explaining how Lot didn't know. He just says that's the way it was, and you can buy it or not buy it. Our job as good readers of the Bible is to understand what the author is trying to tell us, right? And he's not trying to tell us how he didn't know. He's trying to tell us some other things. And here's a couple things that the author's actually trying to tell us. Number one, he's trying to tell us that Lot is a sinful wreck, right? The text portrays him in the beginning as a nuisance, relatively passive, some bad things happen to him. But also, man, the text portrays this guy as a bad guy with some really bad choices. He makes a bad choice of cities to live in. He makes a bad choice to offer his daughters up to the men of the city. 
He makes a bad choice not leaving Sodom right away. And he chooses Zoar instead of fleeing to the mountain like the Lord originally said. Okay, uh, So the author's clearly trying to characterize Lot as a sinful wreck of a dude. Right? So that's number one. That's one thing the author is interested in telling us. And secondly, the author is introducing to us two major bad guys in the story of the Old Testament. So if you look at verse 37 and 38, we're going to find two of the major bad guys of the story. Verse 37, the firstborn bore a son and called his name Moab, and he is the father of the Moabites to this day. So first off, uh, the name Moab means from my father. So this girl uh, actually names her son like after the deed that she just committed. And you can just imagine when little Moab grows up and starts asking about his name and like she has to say, well, yeah, you know, grandpa, he's kind of your dad, too. Uh, That's got to be awkward. But the Moabites end up being one of Israel's primary enemies. Ultimately, as Israel's coming out of Egypt, the Moabites hire Balaam to curse Israel. And you keep reading the story and that doesn't exactly work the way they want to. In verse 38, the younger daughter has a child and she names him Ben-Ami, and that means son of my family. So she's at least trying to hide it a little bit, but not a whole lot, right? And the Ammonites are bad guys in the story and the Lord uses them to punish Israel during the time of the judges. Uh, So these are the two primary issues here with Lot in this text. It's really not to explain how Lot didn't know. It's to portray Lot as a sinful wreck of a character. And then it's to introduce a couple of the major bad guys in the story of the Old Testament. And you don't hear about Lot again for the rest of the story of Scripture until the very end of the story in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 7, where the author says, And if the Lord rescued righteous Lot, wait, what? Righteous Lot? Yeah, righteous Lot, oppressed by the sensual conduct of unprincipled men. For by what he saw and heard, that righteous man namely Lot, that righteous man, while living among them, felt his righteous soul tormented day after day by their lawless deeds. If God can rescue him, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from temptation. Now listen, the author of Second Peter says three times that Lot was a righteous man. Now that raises a question for me because that's not exactly how it seems back in Genesis 13 through 19. But we're going to save that question for another episode. Now here's a bonus question too. Right. Bonus question for later. Lot was the father of Moab, who was a bunch of bad guys and Israel's enemy in the story. But later, as you read into Judges and on through the story of the Old Testament, you find a woman named Ruth who is a Moabitess, like she's a daughter of Moab. So she's from the bad guys. But at the end of the story of Ruth, she's in a genealogy in which she's one of the mothers of Jesus. How in the world does that work? Maybe that's another bonus episode, too. All right, dig it. I hope that was helpful for you as you think about Genesis chapter 19, as you think about Lot and what kind of character he is in the story. So this week's metal moment comes from Holy Grove, an amazing band out of Portland. And I got introduced to their music at the Ash Street Saloon when that was still a thing. We went to see a band called Lord Dying, who will be featured in a metal moment for sure coming up. But Holy Grove opened the show, and they pretty much destroyed the place. It was awesome. And we just couldn't even believe what we were seeing. And we saw them again at Hoverfest and a few other times around town. And most recently, I saw them at the Bossa Nova Ballroom with their new drummer. And they're heavier than ever. It was unreal. Uh, So, I mean, for me, they sound like Sabbath fired Ozzy and hired Grace Slick instead of Dio. And it's a totally killer combination. And they're super cool people when you see them around at shows. 
So I'm going to leave a link to their Bandcamp. You should buy their music. Then after you love their music, you should get a T-shirt. And then after that, you should come out and see them at the Tonic Lounge coming up Monday, March 26th. I'm going to be there. You should come hang with me. It's going to be a great show. Here is a track called Mix off their live EP, Live at Junior's. Uh, It's also on their first full-length record that came out. We're waiting for their next record to come out hopefully shortly this year. So once you grab your drink of choice, kick back and crank this one up.
man. Those guys totally kill. All right, now for our drink of choice. This episode's drink of choice comes from Hop Venom. As I said, from Boneyard Beer here in Bend, Oregon. It's a killer double IPA. It's got a little citrus and a little bit of pine. Uh, it's always on tap at the Hoppy Brewer here in Gresham and is usually the Tuesday special of the day. It's a great beer. And I'm totally stoked to be in Bend this coming up weekend teaching a class called Guys, Girls, and the Glory of God where we check out the biblical teaching on gender issues, sex and sexuality, marriage and singleness. Boneyard will for sure be one of the places that we visit while we're there. Right on, that's all we got for this episode. Be sure to check out the Core Life Training Facebook page where you can find information on upcoming classes, both live and online. You can find out about new podcast episodes and you can basically keep up to speed with everything that we're doing. So thanks for checking out this episode. My name is Jeff Olson. I teach the Bible and I will check you later. Later.